solo mente. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. <laughs> there you go again, another prop. <laughs> another prop. And this time, not because of Halloween, but because the Texans suffered another loss against the L on Sunday against the Miami Dolphins. And with that being said, welcome in viewers and listeners to another episode of the Locked On Texans podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for listening to the Locked On Texans and making us your first listen. We are free and available on all platforms. As always, I am one half of the show, the host of the show, John Hickman. I'm joined by Cody Davis. We're super excited to point out what happened that was bad on Sunday against the Dolphins. But as always, you guys are here to talk Texans. So give them a rundown. Let's get right to it. <laughs> yes, sir. And on this recap Monday of Locked On Texans, of course, we're going to discuss the Houston Texans 17 to 9 loss at the hands of the Miami Dolphins that took place on yesterday. And as always, second segment, we're going to talk about the defense who played a really good game, by the way, I want to add. Then we're going to close out this recap Monday of Locked On Texans, just taking a look at the remaining of the schedule with the Texans going into their bye week and see whether or not if we can find at least just one more victory for the Texans before they close out this season. But John, as always, give the listeners and the viewers some important numbers for this game. And of course, we got to talk about this terrible offense once again. Absolutely. Tyrod Taylor back for the first time since the Cleveland Browns mixed six games due to a hamstring injury came out. He kind of stunk up the joint, 240 yards, zero touchdowns and three interceptions. And by the way, we were, you know, I, I would say on the side of getting Tyrod Taylor back on the field, maybe give Davis Mills a view, a different view from the sideline of looking at the game and, I think maybe he saw a lot of what not to do. As a team, the Houston Texans rushed for 73 yards on 18 carries. The leading receiver for Houston, six catches, 56 yards, Brandon Cooks. Nico Collins, three catches for 25 yards. And rookie Brevin Jordan, two catches for nine yards. And I thought that was a moment in the game, especially between that first and second quarter, that Houston had an opportunity to feed Nico Collins that they did not take advantage of. That's a player when we come off of this bye week. I think Houston needs to give more targets to defensively. Houston accounted for four sacks, one and a half sacks by Jordan Jenkins, combined with Malik Collins. He has a half a sack, so they combined for two. And then Roy Lopez, rookie Roy Lopez, and John, no, John not Jonathan Bernard, Jacob Martin each had a sack in yesterday's game. Eric Murray and Malik Collins. Had an interception for that Houston defense, totaling to two picks for the game. And an issue that Houston has had all year, Cody, and listeners at home, time of possession. They lost that battle, 31-44, compared to their 28-16. But maybe the biggest issue for this team that we thought with the coaching staff that was assembled, like kind of like the Avengers, like Nick Asario was uh, the Iron Man, and he assembled everybody. We thought this team would be a much more disciplined team. However, they're continually getting killed by penalties. This game, eight penalties for 60 yards. On third down, Houston with six for 17. At one point throughout the season, 
Houston was one of the best third down teams in the league. However, the past couple of weeks, that has changed. 67 total plays for Houston compared to 72 total plays for the Miami Dolphins. It was not like the Miami Dolphins ran away with the 17-9 victory. They were just the better, worst team on Sunday. And, Cody, this offense, what – we're going to talk about the offensive line. We're going to talk about, the, talk about the blocking, of course. But a silver lining from Sunday's game, do you have one? Is there anything that you can take away offensively and say, well, this was okay. It just didn't have an opportunity to shine due to circumstances of the 17-9 loss? Hell no. Dang. I'm sorry to put it like that, but, John, look. <laughs> For the what fourth game in a row, I I, I kind of find it hard to really break down this offense. Yes, this offense has looked terrible, but the biggest reason why is because of this offensive line. And I get it, you and I, and a lot of the listeners and viewers, we all thought that we was going to see a much improved offensive line, and we did at one point throughout the season. But I have to go back to the fact that this is an offensive line who doesn't have Larry Tunsil, Justin Britt, and even Marcus Cannon. And I don't want to put Cannon in there too much because man, the Texans really didn't get much out of him when he was out there on the field. And before moving on, I do want to give you these numbers. This is offensive line. When Justin Britt and Larry Tunsil was out there on the field for the Houston Texans in those first five games, they only gave up seven sacks. After the, those two guys went down and started to get banged up and the game started against the Indianapolis Colts, this Houston Texans offensive line has given up 16 sacks over the last couple of games. Way too many. Th- that is terrible. And by the way, I don't want to give Tyrod Taylor no excuses for the plays that he made out there on the field because I get it. He was rusty. But at the same time, as a veteran quarterback in this league at the age of 32 years old, he should know what to do and what not to do on the field. And I get it. A lot of the plays that he made, a lot of the boneheaded decisions that he made resulted in him trying to avoid getting hit because this was a man who was running around for his life. It, yes. it This offensive line, once again, it failed him, and that's part of the reason why we saw the worst version of Tyrod Taylor. I, I want to say this. I want to you know, talk about a quote from David Culley, um, and I mentioned that Miami is one of the best blitzing teams in the league. If I, you know, if I haven't mentioned it, it's a, it's a fact. They blitz on defense 40% of the time, right? That's mm-hmm. what they do. So that comes into the game plan. This is something that you know ahead of time, a long way ahead of time. And David Cully mentioned that they had a plan for it. They didn't execute it. And, you know, it goes along with the penalties. The associate head coach, assistant head coach is Lovey Smith, who, who has a lot of experience as a head coach. And I look around with Campin and Kelly and the disappointment those two have been on this coaching staff. I mean, Campin, maybe you can make a case that he returns next year. Rough year. Losing players, like you mentioned, Britt, Cannon, uh, moving players around from different positions and the experiment with Titus Howard, you know, left guard uh, outside of right tackle, which comes becomes apparent that he should have stayed at that position. But for Tim Kelly, you don't come back next year. Houston does not bring him back. 
but they've had plans that they have not been able to execute all year. And, you know, his first interception, Tyrod's first interception, the pass intended for Brandon Cooks, I want to say that was a post-corner route Brandon Cooks ran. You know, the pass protection for the offensive line wasn't that good, but at least they picked up who they were supposed to pick up. You know, now what is Danny Barrett teaching his running backs? Because David Johnson on countless times this year has completely whiffed on blocks and it has resulted in negative plays. Yesterday on Sunday, Tyrod Taylor was lit up due to the fact that he was didn't even care to look like David Johnson is just out there on vibes right now. Didn't even care to attempt to make a block. And when the sack happened, he kind of kind of walked away or just walked around like it, nothing happened. Like this is what Houston's offense has come to. And my biggest issue with this team is when I look at everybody that plays you, whether you go on, on the road or at home, and by the way, Houston hasn't scored a touchdown on a road game since the Cleveland Brown game, and that was Tyrod Taylor's. Game where he pulled his uh, his hamstring, <laughs> so they've been horrendous on the road. But whether you're at home or on the road, my problem with Houston is they have allowed everybody to exceed their. How can I put this? They've allowed everybody to exceed their norm, right? Teams that don't necessarily run the ball that well, at least up until the time where they played Houston, they play Houston and they run the ball phenomenally. Right, teams that don't necessarily throw the ball well, they play Houston, and their their offense is you know sky attack or whatever. You know, but Houston allows teams to come into their house or visit their home, and teams are able to kind of use them as a scout team and get better. Flip side, I want to I want to look at this and then we can move on. Xavier Xavier Howard, who is one of the best corners in the league. He has allowed a 55.8 completion percentage. He has allowed 390 yards so far this year. Byron Jones, the safety, he has allowed 61.9 completion percentage, 310 yards on the year. Now, they both allow over 11 yards per catch. Nick Needham, he allows 71.1 yard, uh, 71.1 as a completion percentage, 303 yards allowed so far, 11.2 yards per catch. This is what Houston is is is, is did. Oh, also, I want to look at it. Javon Holland. He allows 78.6 uh, as a uh, completion percentage. So teams are able to kind of attack some of these players and succeed. Houston, on the other hand, had problems putting the ball in the end zone. And at one point, you were on the two-yard line, down 11, and didn't think to go for it. In a game where you need to win this game, this was a game where it doesn't do anything for you outside of give your team the boost and the fans a boost. They're tired of looking at this, right? But offensively, with five turnovers that the defense blessed you with, you were unable to capitalize on this. And this has been my problem. There has been moments where we understand Houston is going to lose a bunch of games. I'm on record by saying the ceiling for this team was three games and the floor is one game. And I don't think Houston is getting off the floor right now. But it's not that you're losing. It's how you're losing. Five turnovers. And 
I want to say two of those turnovers were back-to-back. And you were not able to put the ball in the end zone. That is my problem with this Houston team. That is my problem with this Houston team coaching staff. The execution. The, all the excuses, you lost a game against your twin. And that's – and you see why tickets are $9. It's unfortunate for the fans. It's unfortunate for the players, the veterans. That's my take on it, on the offense. I can't wait to discuss the defense who that front four came to play, Cody. So I'm sure we're going to highlight them a lot. That will be on the other side of the Locked On Texans podcast. Today I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. Direct TV Stream brings you live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part? There is no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Welcome back into the Locked On Texas podcast. Thank you for making the Locked On Texans your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe to the Locked On Texas YouTube page as well. Defensively, Cody, you know, these guys were able to get after the quarterback. Uh, what was it? Jacoby Brissett on Sunday, four sacks. I mentioned that early in the show. And I thought there were times where, you know, like what, what they did in the passing game was not a passing game. The running game was pretty impressive as well. Now, this is not a pretty good running team in Miami, but they did hold them to under 50 yards, which is rare for Houston. How impressed are you right now with Malik Collins, with Jordan, I mean, uh, sorry, John Grenard, who made a very great play for Roy Lopez? Roy Lopez's mm-hmm. sack came off the play recognition from John Grenard. This guy's good at football. So how impressed are you right now with this front four? And, you know, we we have a handful of games left. How important is it that they continue to get this chemistry and build together? Because we sh- I'm sure everybody's looking for next year. Look, let me just say this. The defensive performance, and I wrote about this on the Texans Wire, by the way, I think this might have been the, the the Texans' best defensive performance of the season. As you mentioned, what was it, four or five takeaways? I think there was two interceptions, three forced fumbles, and they just played great. Malik Collins was all over the field. He he got half of a sack. He was able to, to recover a fumble, and he recorded his first interception in his career. And the reason why I wanted to point out Malik Collins before I start talking about the defense a little bit more, during his post-game media availability, he said a quote that I did not like. He said that he wished the defense did just a little bit more in order to give the offense more opportunities to score. I understand that this is a team sport. I understand that that quote was Malik Collins not wanting to point the finger at the Texans offense by saying that we did our job, y'all didn't. But at the end of the day, with five turnovers, Collins, Grenard, um, whoever else you want to throw in there as well, even Eric Murray. Who Eric, Murray had, was an an <laughs> Eric Murray had an interception. Exactly. Right? This loss is totally on the Texans offense to sustain their inability to sustain drive. Why is that important? Because John, within these first eight, nine games that we have been through throughout so throughout this season so far, 
I can point out at least six games where the Texans offense cost a great defensive performance from the Texans by the Texans defense. This is this is this is the this game in a nutshell was the Texans season by far. Your defense go out, create turnovers, your offense inability to do something with those turnovers. And by the way, there were at least two takeaways that the Texans recorded where they put the offense in Miami's territory. Yes. And they only came away yes. with a field goal. Now, once again, going back to what we talked about in the first half, in the first segment, I believe majority of the offense, majority of the problems that we are seeing in the Texans offense is due to a weakened offensive line. But at the end of the day, it's no excuse to why. If you have the ball on Miami 35-yard line, you cannot put punch that ball in the end zone. Which I think this bye week is going to be super important for the Houston Texans. They need the opportunity. You to think so? Breathe. Yeah, you think I, so. I think you know they need an opportunity to breathe, right? I, I think this is all fair. You've been led by a rookie quarterback majority of this season. Mm-hmm. You've had so many different injuries, a, a totally different switch of coaching staffs, and so much going on in the off season. You got to take into account what's going on with Deshaun Watson. That has plagued them. That's been a distraction. You know, now that the the, the uh, trade deadline is over, you got this terrible loss out the way. The bye week for Houston is very important and essential to just kind of breathing and maybe giving you guys an extra week to prep. Maybe not for the next team, but you're going to play, which in Houston case is going to be after they come off their bye week, Houston will be playing the Titans, the 6-2 and two Titans, right? And so maybe not necessarily for them, but you got to prep for yourself. Who do you who do who else do you want out on this field? And what situations, right? And so this this bye week is going to be very important for them. But I do want to get back to the defense before we kind of expand on the bye week a little bit in the next segment. I think this defense finally found its building block, and this building block hasn't necessarily been what we expected to be at the beginning of the season. When we heard turnovers, when we heard that, that Lovey Smith wants to create turnovers, we immediately assume that the DBs will be better this year. The corners will be better. The safeties will be better. And in some cases, they have been. And in some cases, the linebackers have been better than what we saw last year. But overall, uh, and by the way, the Houston is number 19th in passing defense this year, I believe so, before yesterday's game. But overall, the building block for this defense is going to come with John Grenard, who is being coached by somebody not named Bill O'Brien, with Malik Collins, who I think is an essential player that they need to bring back for next season, with Aurora Lopez, who plays the run very well, and you can mix him in in situations where he can kind of shine more instead of playing majority of those snaps, kind of limited snaps so you can, get, so you can maximize his talent out on the field. With, uh, I mentioned Malik Collins, we got to see more of Ross Blacklock, but they have a building block now that you can kind of set as a precedent precedent for moving forward. How you evaluate the draft. Do you want to add a player on the opposite side to make it so difficult for teams to block you? Or do you want to emphasize maybe drafting a, a DB next year because you have faith in what this defensive front can do? That's what I got out of yesterday's game. And, you know, with those five turnovers, look how important 
that the front four was to creating those turnovers. Aside of Eric Murray's interception, the front four affected a lot of what that defense achieved on yesterday. Kudos to Malik Collins, who started the year off, I think, pretty rough, still trying to work his way back into playing with this team and, and, you know, game shape. But he has played very well in the last three weeks. Roy Lopez, a rookie, he has played well in his role. And I can't speak enough about Bernard and how well he's been playing since he, you know, actually was able to get some playing time. Kudos to those guys, man. And I, and I think when we look around for offense and defense, the building block, the best unit has been the defensive line. I'm sure the Houston Texans have left a sour taste in your mouth, and now you got to go about your week with this sour taste. But you don't have to because Bill Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. So you can work off some of that hate but you built up watching the Texans on Sunday. Let's get some positivity in your life. And if you haven't tried a Bill Bar by now, you are missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it does not taste like one. You have to try one of these amazing bars yourself to believe it. Most protein bars are chalky, waxy, or just plain hard to chew. Bill Bar is soft, covered in 100% chocolate, real chocolate. When you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. It's more than an experience. One day that you enjoy. In fact, you're swear you're eating a candy bar. Bill Bars are low carb, low calorie, low fat, low sugar, high in protein. So all the healthy benefits on top of just being purely delicious with so many different flavors. Go to Bill.com and use promo code locked on lock15, excuse me, for 15% off your order. Use promo code lock15 for 15% off at Bill Bar. We've got some more promo codes for you guys to use and maximize your money because we're back and better than ever with a new web interface for the start of the basketball season more props odds and lines than ever before bet online remains your number one spot for all of basketball and football action this season head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit just use promo code locked on to receive your bonus bet online is the fastest and man, it's the easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports because bet online is where the game starts. Thank you guys for checking out the Locked On Texans. Now make your second listen to Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson give you the national expert NFL analysis in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available on all platforms. And welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this recap Monday of Locked On Texans. And, John, listeners, I think we said everything we could about the Texans' loss to the Miami Dolphins. And with the Texans entering a bye week with the 1-8 record, they're riding a eight-game losing streak. When this team comes back in week 11, do you see another game that the Texans can actually win? Me, personally, I would say maybe the New York Jets, and that's if Mike White isn't playing. And I only say that because, you know, say what you want about the guy, but he did put on a pretty good um, performance that actually led the Jets to a win in their win last week against the Cincinnati Bengals when they won 34 to 31. But, John, I mean, I'm looking at the schedule right now. I mean, even though the the one, the other game that I thought they could have won, their second matchup against the Jacksonville Jaguars, I don't even think that's a possibility now because the Jaguars, they are now better than the Houston Texans because they defeated the <laughs> Buffalo Bills 9-6. to six, And 
the Texans are now the worst team in the AFC South right now. What's with that nine going around in the AFC South, right? Texans <laughs> nine, uh, Jacksonville scored nine. But, but, but at least game, Jacksonville nines helped them get a win. Helped them get a win, right? When I look at their schedule, the Titans, the Jets, the Colts, uh, the Seahawks, the Jags, the Chargers, the 49ers, and then the Titans. And by the way, by the way, remember when we did our season preview, I said I could see the Texans winning that last game of the season because I thought the Titans would be like 13-3 and three at that point, and they resting all their starters and, you know, just, just – and they probably would help the Texans end the season on a good note. That's not going to be the case no more because clearly – the They're not going to be 13 and three. <laughs> right. But when I look at the schedule, viewers and Cody, um, I don't think they get another win. Not even against the Jets? I don't think they get another win. I don't. I, I don't. I, I think this team is poorly coached. I think this team is, is not disciplined. They have issues with execution. I think there's so many different problems and issues internally that it forces the players to be off to the same page one another. So the players are not on the same page with the coaching staff. The coaching staff is not on the same page with the players, and the coaching staff is not on the same page with the coaching staff. And I don't think the coaching staff is on the same page with the front office. It's too much turmoil. It's too much. It's too much. It's a disaster right now. And I think that's why we're seeing what we're seeing on the NFL field on Sundays when it comes to the Houston Texans. Now, and you John, may have – I'm sorry? No, I was going to say, and um, this is why I said after that week five loss to the New England Patriots that that was the nail in the coffin to the Texans season. That was the worst loss of the year for me because after that game – and you know I me, mean? I'll be around this team almost every single day. I saw a complete the, the the demeanor of that of the team changed after that loss against the Patriots. What whatever hope that they was holding on to, that I was holding on to, listeners and viewers that you guys was holding on to, hell, me, what, what was my saying this whole entire offseason? Just don't finish last. That went down a drain in that loss against the Patriots because especially the demeanor from David Johnson. Because when he walked off that podium that day, I said to myself, this guy, along with the rest of this team, has given up on the season. And, John, what have you been saying almost every single week since that loss? How bad, well, how much worse David Johnson has looked? Because the man right. the man has always been bad ever since he put on the Texans jersey. But, man, that, that loss, that was the nail in the coffin, man. That loss turned this Houston Texan team season very calamitous. Hmm. Just to say it, plain and simple. And it's not like, so the Jets is a very young team. Very young team, right? The Jaguars, a very young team. The Jaguars and the Jets, you know what they also have? Rookie head coaches. New and rookie quarterbacks. <laughs> and quarterbacks. But there's a sense of, under, at least in some type of understanding there now, like aside of what's going on with Urban Meyer on the field, there's a sense of Trevor Lawrence is going to get it right. He's going to figure it out. And when he does, it's going to be scary. With the Jets, I think with the Jets, you, you knew that the Jets was going to have this type of season. And you, you honestly thought the Texans were going to have this type of season. But the Jets are sitting at two and six, and they are the better team. 
The Jaguars are sitting at two and six, and they are the better team. Houston is not better than any of the teams that they play moving forward. And Sunday's game against the Miami Dolphins, a game that that was my last hope. I said it was a must win for them. They didn't win it. And it showed that you are the worst team in the NFL, aside from the Detroit Lions. I was about to say, as long as long as the Detroit Lions stay defeated, just don't right. finish last. <laughs> right. right now, Houston is the worst team of the division after you know the first week we were we, we leave the division, right? But uh we are the worst team in the division, sitting at one and eight. And Houston is now if the draft started today, they will be picking second overall. Yeah. Thank you guys for checking out today's show. I'm John Hickman of the Locked On Texas Podcast. Super excited to be back with you guys. I can't wait for tomorrow. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans. Like, subscribe, and comment on YouTube as well. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow, please be sure to check out the show because yesterday Lonnie Johnson did not see the field at all I think he probably only played like a couple defensive snaps and he was on special teams so Johnny and I are going to dive into what the hell is going on between Johnson and this organization because I do believe he is the next Charles Amenhu until next time ladies and gentlemen peace You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.